0: studio one at the worldwide headquarters of espn and from studio hd in atlanta georgia this is fitz and harry on espn radio the espn app and on sirius xm channel 80
1: Trade deadline day in the nba and that means chaos everywhere constant action you know the biggest move of the day had happened while you were sleeping as you woke up this morning to find out that Kevin Durant is now a member of the Phoenix Suns, but that wasn't the only trade that went down. In fact, we've got trades over the last 30 minutes, and a trade yesterday that was supposed to be meaningful. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM channel. Lady Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Harry, were you ever? You were never traded. You made the decision when you wanted to go to the Titans, right? You were never just traded in the middle of a season. I mean, I would.
2: I'd probably rather have been traded, I think, more so than cut. That was the one thing I never wanted to happen to me. I never okay. wanted to be cut.
1: <laughs> I just always said, you know, I can't imagine walking up on a tour bus one day. And then mm-hmm. they're like, hey, by the way, we well, traded you, and you are now the fiddle player for Kenny Chesney. I look around and be like, well, I'm not, no offense to anybody that's a Kenny Chesney fan. I'm not a big Kenny Chesney. I don't want to play beach music. Like, I, and I look around and be like, well, what? my first question, my first question if I got traded, this this show's what a child I am. My first question would be, well, what What'd you get back? Like, what do what we get in return for me? Like, because is, is that not the measure of value in this situation? Like, if you, if, if, if you and I walked in today and they're like, by the way, Harry traded you uh, to another time slot. My first question would be like, well, it better have been for both Kenny and Carlin, not either War. Like I don't want to straight up trade. Like I, I want some leverage in this thing. I'm not trading you. You better believe that. You know Trust that. me. You know you're that the last person I'm trading. Hey, hey, HD and I, we we, we going down together. There's there's no two mm-hmm. ways about it. Uh, we got a bunch of trades that happened. Jay Crowder traded from the Nets to the Bucks. Crowder was originally acquired by the Nets last night in a deal that sent KD to the Suns. We know that. So Jay Crowder had to kind of anticipate this, but I can't imagine like sitting down. You're like uh, you're calling your mom. You're like all right, mom. Um, I'm, I'm moving to Brooklyn. And a few hours later, you're like, Mom... Never mind, moving to Milwaukee. Like there, there was there, there very little wiggle room here. So Crowder now heads to the Bucs. Also, George Hill. He's go- pro- he's probably happy about that though. Oh, he's probably th- happy think? that
2: he's going to like a potential you know title contender That's a fair. team that just won the NBA Finals not too long ago. In which he was on the opposite end of that team on the Phoenix Suns that the Bucks beat. So I know he's probably happy he's going to be in Milwaukee versus being in Brooklyn.
1: Uh, can I just tell you my favorite restaurant in the entire United States? Favorite. Mm is in Milwaukee, called own Club. My buddy Gino's the owner there. own Club, downtown Milwaukee, Ooh. right across from the old, uh, the old uh, arena. It's crazy. Like Gino, he's like Sicilian. He goes back. He sees his grandma every couple of summers. He gets like family recipes. I walked in there one time. He's a big country music fan. He used to come out to shows. Walked in there one time, and he was like, I was like, let me grab a menu. And Gino's like, there are no menus tonight. 24 courses of Italian food later. Wow. I was still like 24 courses of authentic. By the end of the night. What? I was D Runk by the end of the night because there was That's a lot of wine, good, yeah. That's how you know it's good, though. That's how you know it's good. I'm in the kitchen acting like I know what I'm doing. Gino's let me mess around the plate. Like, I'm telling <laughs> you, you and I just need to go to Milwaukee and spend a day at the Calderon Club just to hang out. Uh, George Hill doesn't get to eat there anymore. He was traded from the Bucks to the Pacers. So he no longer gets to eat at the Calderon Club. He now has to go to Indiana to the Pacers. Um, the uh, Let's see, we got the Trailblazers uh, acquiring Matisse Tybel as part of a three way uh, with Charlotte. And the Lakers sent Thomas Bryant to the nuggets for Davon Reed and three second round picks, sources have told ESPN. So that gets you some of the action right now. But like, I, I don't I can only imagine, you know, about what, 12, 15 hours ago? The Lakers felt pretty good. Like in, lost in all this hustle is that the Lakers managed to get rid of Russ. Like, I didn't, even above me, I'm going to get back the, the The Lakers got rid of Russ. The impossible happened yesterday. We should have felt better about the Lakers today when we came in.
2: Well, I know Rob Polinka, the guy who's orchestrating and making all these deals and these trades, he felt very, very good when he got rid of Rush yesterday. But then also in return, you got a guy in D'Angelo Russell who was once drafted by the Los Angeles Lakers, Jared Vanderbilt, a guy who was a defensive prowess on, on that end of the court, but also Malik Beasley. You, you, you felt very, very excited if you were a Lakers fan and also Rob Polinka. But that's not enough to compete with the Phoenix Suns because they made a trade after these moves went down. To put them at the forefront of the Western Conference.
1: Uh, that's what's great. So, uh, you know, we've got two great producers on the show, Evan and Devin. Are our two guys, and I, I constantly, uh, I, I like to make your mom jokes to Devin whenever possible. And whenever I make a your mom joke Excuse to Devin, me. he basically he always has the same response. He, he, I, I, Devin, what do you tell the world what you say every time I make a your mom joke? Oh, come on. That is exactly, I'm telling <laughs> you what, Rob Polinka. Rob Polinka sat down at his desk. He poured himself a nice glass of whiskey. He's doing something on the rocks. It's just, mm-hmm. it's clean. It's expensive. He's taking a sip and he's saying, Man, I did the impossible today. Today, I got rid of, of Russ. Today, I managed to change the fortunes of the Lakers by a simple subtraction. I've made us better. And then all of a sudden, Devin, what did he say a few hours later? Oh, come on! See, <laughs> I'm, telling, I'm telling you. You see that, the news? That and- is hilarious.
2: <laughs> that is hilarious to me. And, and, and it's crazy, though, Fitch. Because do I believe the Lakers got better as a team? Yes, they. Yes, they did. You talk about a guy, D'Angelo Russell, who can shoot the uh, the basketball from just about anywhere on the court, and you can count on his three point shooting and also a decision making. You talk about a guy, Malik Beasley, who's throughout his career shot over thirty eight percent from the three point line those guys are going to be able to space the floor even that much more for lebron james and anthony davis right but it's not enough to compete with kevin durant devin booker deandre a and chris paul in the in the phoenix suns it's just not enough so are they better yes does it matter
1: hell no. I, and see, I love what you're saying about the spacing, and they mentioned this morning, Beasley and uh, Russell together are going to take about 16 threes a night. You know, you start ta- mm-hmm. talking about shooting, that's going to matter, and then, to your point, the spacing creates so many more opportunities, and trust matters in this spot. So, the fact is, I think LeBron having Russell that he trusts, this this makes them a play-in caliber team that, that you know, could get in. And how many times have you and I said, you know, if you get in the dance, you got a chance. If you get in the dance, you got a chance. That's right. But but then you look around in Phoenix, you're like, never mind. Got in the dance. Don't have a chance. Like, even if you think that over the course of a seven-game series, you can compete with some of the mid-level teams in the West, there's now a whole ocean between where the Lakers are and where the Suns are. And, like, that's just being reasonable and real to the the conversation that you have to have with yourself. Like, the Lakers 24 hours ago felt like they made a huge move that was going to make them at least better. Now the only thing they can say is, can't wait till summer, and maybe we can address it then. And that's... That's not good enough for the Lakers yet again.
2: No, and here's the thing, though. When you look at the Lakers, if they're able to get into that play-in situation and next thing you know they're faced up with a Memphis Grizzlies or a Sacramento Kings, I do believe they have an opportunity to win those series. we got to remember, the Memphis Grizzlies right now, they're 2-8 and eight in their last 10 games. They aren't playing great basketball. The Sacramento Kings and what Mike Brown has been able to do with that team becoming their head coach has been phenomenal. But I'm taking a LeBron James, uh, 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 Anthony Davis, um, and Darvin Hamm coach team Over the Sacramento Kings. Here's the thing. When you get to the second round. Are you going to be able to sustain? Uh, I don't think so because I think when you look at you know the Denver Nuggets, they're going to be there. You look at the Dallas Mavericks, who just traded for a Kyrie Irving, and when 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 Luca comes back, I think those two are going to pair it very very well. The Phoenix Suns, what they're able to do, and the Clippers—you can't forget the Clippers because they do now have a healthy Kawhi Leonard, and he's able to go out there and, and play at a high level too.
1: Now I I keep looking at uh, by the way Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Uh, Brian Windhorst agrees with our assessment that the Lakers have gotten better. This is what he said on SportsCenter with SVP about their improvements post-trade. The Lakers have absolutely improved. They've done a nice job of doing that, but they have also gone and used their assets, for four second-round picks, one first-round pick, to get four guys, none of whom dramatically move the needle. It just upgrades from a lot of players who are underachieving. One thing that we have to acknowledge, Harry, is that playoff basketball, that we're going to talk so much about this summer, when you get into these seven game series, it's a grind. It's about matchups. It's about physicality. It's about not just depth, but quality of depth. And there's such a difference between getting some role players that can play a bigger role when you are really only two stars deep versus Phoenix, who right now is four quality players deep on their their, their starting lineup and whatever depth they don't have, they're only going to ask intermittent minutes from them, right? Like this isn't the Lakers where you're going to have three guys constantly rotating in. You need depth Uh, in, in a seven game series. I just don't feel like the Lakers are a scary matchup for most teams. Well, it, it gets scary in the
2: seven-game series because now you're going against a team that's seeing you night after night after night, right? And they, they know your plays. They know your set. So now it's it's more based on your individual talent and guys that can get you over the hump. And when you're on a LeBron-led basketball team, that's why he loves spacing. That's why he loves shooters because he knows the defense is going to be drawn to him. So now can I get a Malik Beasley a wide-open shot? Now can I get a D'Angelo Russell a wide-open shot? Now if they try to double Anthony Davis in the post, he has guys. That he could kick it out to, and now they can hit that three pointer and spot up shots. In which previous before this trade, they did not have that.
1: There is no doubt that there's plenty to break down here for the Lakers, but even through all of this, what if I told you the colossal fail known as the Brooklyn Nets has actually impacted the Lakers? It is the Nets' fault that the Lakers aren't in a better situation. We'll tell you why next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN radio. Let's go.
0: The 1968 Olympics in Mexico City, Tommy Smith and John Carlos took the medal stand with a purpose after claiming gold and bronze respectively in the 200-meter dash. During the national anthem, they bowed their heads and raised gloved fists to symbolize black power and transcendent protest against racial discrimination in the United States. The moment marked, quote, a cry for freedom and for human rights, Smith once said. He went on to say, quote, we had to be seen because we couldn't be heard. Black History Always. Celebrating Black History Month on ESPN Radio.
2: Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
0: and Suns pulling off a deal. Suns acquiring Kevin Durant from the Brooklyn Nets. If you're the Nets, frankly, I I don't see how you don't look at this situation as anything other than a failure. It will always be remembered with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden as the team that never was. Finally, the Brooklyn Nets, that great experiment, it is finally over. And this is an organization that is ready to hit the reset button
1: This is a brilliantly picked song by Devin, Turn the Page, because that's what the Nets are doing now, as is KD, as is the whole NBA. We woke up this morning to the mega news that Kevin Durant is now a member of the Phoenix Suns. The question is, what's it mean? How did we get here? How does everybody react? Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, by the way. I I can crush us in some karaoke, I'm not going to lie. We still will openly challenge every other show. I don't care if it's radio, I don't care if it's TV, I don't care if it's digital. Harry Douglas and I will kick your ass in karaoke. So any show that wants to take us on, we're ready. Uh, One of the glorious things about being in Bristol is sometimes awesome people walk by and we pull them in studio. Tim Bontemps, ESPN NBA reporter, uh, just did that. So... Uh, first and foremost, I mean, last night I went to bed and I thought everything was going to be normal. This morning I wake up, it's not. How surprised were you that this got done this quickly overnight?
0: Uh, I mean, I was awake when it happened, so I wasn't surprised that it was done overnight. <laughs> but, uh, no, look, I mean, obviously this came together quick, but when you have Matt Ishbia taking over the team this week and going into the trade deadline, you go back to last summer, you know, the Minnesota Timberwolves were acquired by Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez, and they go out and make a huge trade to get Rudy Gobert, right? You tend to see... When ownership get when there's an ownership change, you tend to see aggression and energy being infused into a franchise and that certainly is the case here. The Suns gave up an awful lot to get Kevin Durant, but Kevin Durant's worth an awful lot. He's one of the best players on the planet. When you look at a combination of Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Deandre Ayton and now Kevin Durant, you know, certainly Phoenix feels like they've got a chance to get out of the West and maybe win a title for the first time in franchise history and, you know, they paid a heavy price to do so.
2: And Tim, i got to ask you, when you look at the Nets and what they were able to get in return, for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, they didn't even get an all-star player. What are your thoughts on that? Are the, are the Nets in a situation to where, you know, they're going to start over from scratch and try to build this thing throughout uh, throughout the draft?
0: I mean, the irony is, Harry, if you look at where the Nets are now, they basically are where they were before they got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in the first place, right? They had a bunch of, you know, solid to to good players on their roster. They had some draft pick flexibility, and, you know, that put them in a position where they had salary cap space to sign those two guys. Then they went and traded for James Harden. So, you know, obviously I would say the Nets are currently a work in progress. I don't think they're a finished product. We'll see what happens We now in the trade deadline. They obviously have moved on from Jay Crowder already, sending him to the Milwaukee Bucks, a place where, you know, Milwaukee been trying to get Jay Crowder for a while. Marquette Grad, guy that, you know, will give them some defense and toughness, and some three-point shooting to play next to Giannis Antetokounmpo, Chris Middleton, Andrew Holiday, and what they hope is a long playoff run. And, you know, I think the, the expectation from my end is that Brooklyn's going to be interested in looking at a lot of stuff between now and the deadline, and we'll see what they look look like then. But certainly, you know, this isn't the team that we thought the Nets were going to be a week ago, but they they certainly got a lot back for their two stars, and they've positioned themselves to at least— be a pretty solid competitive team going forward some flexibility after making these moves
1: it's fitz and harry on espn radio we're talking to tim bontep's espn nba reporter if the nets had known that kd wanted out in your mind would it have changed the trade that went down for kyrie it's hard to say right
0: i mean obviously you could do a lot of counterfactuals and stuff at the end of the day the nets did get a pretty good haul for kyrie irving when you consider everything that's gone on with him getting Spencer Dinwiddie, a very solid point guard on a good deal, getting Dorian Finney-Smith, one of the better 3 and D wings in the league, on a really good deal, getting an unprotected 2029 Dallas first-round pick. That could certainly be a pretty juicy trade asset or a draft pick down the road, right? Let's see if Luka Doncic is still in Dallas six years from now. So, you know, certainly hard to imagine Kyrie Irving's going to be in Dallas six years from now just based off his history. So, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think they did okay, certainly, in that deal. Um, you know, maybe they look at some different things in that aspect, but... Certainly, they were trying to to make moves to keep Kevin Durant. I think he gave them the flexibility to either go forward with what was a really competitive team or have pieces, like I said before, that they could potentially flip around and do other stuff with.
2: Now, Tim, let's move out to the West Coast. You talk about the Los Angeles Lakers, right? Rob Palinka last night, I'm pretty sure he thought he did a hell of a job, and a lot of us did uh, believe that as well. But, you know, after bringing in D'Angelo Russell, you know, Vanderbilt, and also Malik Beasley. But then later in the night, seeing the Phoenix Suns trade for Kevin Durant, what's next for the Lakers now that they're seeing that trade?
0: Well, that would make it seem like the Lakers had the ability to get Kevin Durant, which they, they did not have, you know. I mean, look, they, the Lakers, as you saw in Tuesday's game, yes, LeBron James set scoring record in that in that loss to the Oklahoma City Thunder, but, you know, they did lose the Oklahoma City Thunder, and Oklahoma City just had a better roster than the Lakers in that game, right? They just had more talent, especially on the perimeter. I mean, Jalen Williams, their rookie out of Santa Clara, was terrific in that game. Josh Giddey, their second-year player, was really good in that game. And Shea Gillis-Alexander was right there with LeBron as the best player on the court. So, you know, and they're a game ahead or two games ahead right now of the Lakers, and they're not even in the playing spot e- play-in spots either, right? So, you know, look, that trade made the Lakers better today, but, you know, they've traded a first and several seconds to add some depth pieces, and I'm still not sure they're of the quality of the teams ahead of them in the Western Conference playoff race. I think Minnesota got better getting Mike Conley, you could say that you know certainly Phoenix got better. Like they, they, you know, there's already a bunch of teams ahead of them. Like it's it's going to be an uphill battle, I think, for the Lakers just to get into those top ten spots.
1: So what's the rest of the West? They wake up, they see this move. How is everybody else reacting at this point?
0: Well, that is the thing, Fitz. I'm really curious to see about between now and three o'clock. Right? What do these other Western Conference contenders do? We saw Denver go get Thomas Bryant today for three seconds, give them some help. behind Nikola Jokic, that's certainly. Um, you know, one interesting move that was on the board that went off there. You know, let's see what Memphis does. Can Denver do something else? Can Memphis add pieces? What is Golden State going to do, right? Obviously with Steph Curry out for the next month or, you know, at least a few weeks with his uh, his knee injury, suffered recently. They, ha- they probably need to get some reinforcements today. Um, you know, let's see if Phoenix is done trying to upgrade their roster. Let's see what Dallas does to get in Kyrie Irving. And then let's see what the Clippers do. An, all, an always very aggressive team. Certainly I would expect to be active trying to do something between now and 3 o'clock. But I think the West is still pretty wide open, and there, there's going to be a lot of teams trying to, to upgrade after seeing Phoenix go all in to get one of the best players on the planet in Kevin Durant.
2: All right, Tim, everything, all the trades have happened so far up, up until this point. The trade deadline is not over yet. Who is your favorite to win the NBA Finals this year? Uh,
0: I mean, the irony of things is I think for everything that's happened, nothing has really changed. I think Boston and Milwaukee are head and shoulders above everybody else, and then there's a big battle – after that to see what happens, and you know, to me, it's an under-the-radar move, but I really, really like the Celtics getting Mike Moscala today from the Oklahoma City Thunder. It's not a sexy move. It's not one people are going to really talk about, but in their win last night over the Sixers, you know, even though they won the game, Al Horford sat out with knee soreness. He sat out the second half of every back-to-back this season for Boston. They really tried to manage his minutes. Robert Williams has obviously dealt with a bunch of injuries. He missed the first couple months of the season after having knee surgery. Mike Muscal is playing, you know, 15, 60 minutes a game for the Thunder. He's shooting 39% from three, over three attempts per game. He can play that Al Horford five-out role for the Celtics. He gives them some real depth. They've got him and Luke Cornett that could fill in behind those two guys. And, you know, Muscal is a good, really good player, underrated player. And for a team like Boston is trying to add to it already is a deep roster – I thought giving up two seconds and Justin Jackson was a really nice move for them. And to me, they're still the best team in the league. Tim, I know you're swamped with Trade
1: Deadline Day. We appreciate you hanging out with us. Thanks for the expertise and insight. Of course, man. Happy to do it and talk to you guys soon. Tim Bontemps, ESPN NBA reporter. Don't forget, you can watch all of our trade deadline coverage across ESPN. Uh, It's already started, and it won't go anywhere until we get to the deadline. The deadline, as Tim mentioned, 3 p.m. Eastern. So uh, we will get you caught up on any breaking trades. The way the NBA is going right now, I think we can all agree we have no idea what's going to happen minute to minute. In the meantime, this week might actually have given us a sneak peek and actually Actual, behind-the-scenes look at the real relationship between KD and Kyrie. I'll explain what I mean next. But first, Harry's got to tell you this about oh 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 O'Reilly. Is
2: your check engine light on? Don't ignore it. Stop by O'Reilly Parts today and let their professional parts people scan your vehicle for free. They will retrieve the codes, discuss possible solutions, and even help you find a professional technician if needed. For your check engine light diagnosis, repair advice, and the right tools and parts get everything you need from the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
1: I'm Christine Lisi. On this NBA trade deadline day, Jay Crowder traded to the Nets from the Suns as part of the package in the Kevin Durant blockbuster
0: trade is on the move again. He's heading to Milwaukee. Further details of that trade still not
1: available. Crowder has not played all season after agreeing with the Suns to sit out while they explored trades for him. ESPN's Adrian Morjanowski is reporting the Blazers acquired 76ers two-time all-defensive player Matisse Thybul as part of a three-team trade with Charlotte. Philly gets Jalen McDaniels in the deal. Stay tuned to ESPN Radio for the latest leading up to the 3 Eastern deadline. NHL, Avalanche defenseman Cale McCarr out at least the next two games with a head injury. Devil's leading scorer Jack Hughes' upper body injury is week to week. Baseball, Padres, and right-hander Hugh Darvish agreed on a six-year, $108 million extension, reports ESPN's Jeff Passan.
2: The Phoenix Suns are nearing a blockbuster deal to bring in
0: Nets star Kevin Durant. Four unprotected first-round picks, a pick swap, all going back to the Nets for Kevin Durant.
2: This is quite the haul for Brooklyn. If you were going to move Kevin Durant, you got back plenty to start fresh.
0: And this is a team in the desert that certainly is going to have some immediate championship aspiration. Kevin Durant is a Phoenix Sun.
1: I think the shock is still sort of setting in for so many of us. As overnight, a trade that seemed wildly complicated, almost impossible to do in a short amount of time, happened. Kevin Durant, instead of the Nets finding assets to bring towards KD, the Nets shipped KD out. He heads to Phoenix, where now he joins a team that will be talented enough to compete for an NBA championship. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel Lady Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. You can also just say, hey, to your smart speakers and ask him to play ESPN Radio. They'll hang out with you right there. The question is, in part, about the timing of this. And hear me out. All right, because Brian Winhor, C S P and NBA insider, and you can also check out the Hoop Collective podcast, was on GitHub, and he talked about the fact that the Lakers were so close. I mean, absolutely right on the edge. Oh my god, it looks like it's gonna happen when it comes to acquiring one Kyrie Irving. The Suns said no to the Lakers' offer, and it was a reasonable no to the Lakers' offer on Sunday. It's a complicated situation to be in if you're a Laker fan today because you've got to be thrilled that your team has just remade itself over and has a puncher's chance, but this close, this close. They should have Kyrie Irving, and they would have Kyrie Irving if this Durant decision was made on Sunday as opposed to what I think was being made around Tuesday, Wednesday. It speaks, though. Think about this, Harry. Hear me out. I know I'm not, you know me, not usually a conspiracy theorist, but it does speak, I think, to a relationship. Because if you knew Kyrie wanted to go to the Lakers and you're Kyrie's friend, as we're constantly told, KD and Kyrie are super close. If you are Kyrie's friend and he comes to you and says, Man, I really want to go to the Lakers, and you know that you then giving the Nets your intent to want to be traded could help get that done wouldn't you do that like to me the fact that these two trades were done so separate of each other speaks to brooklyn's lack of plan but it also speaks to the fact that kd and kyrie weren't necessarily on the same page and helping each other get out
2: i look at it like this um this is business right and i know a lot of times you don't want to miss, mix business with pleasure business with friendships because we all know how those things turn out most of the time Kevin Durant did what he had to do for his situation. Kyrie Irving did what he had to do for his situation. So as far as, you know, these two guys looking out for one another on, the, on that on those, that end of the spectrum, I, I don't think Kevin Durant really cared about anything when it came to Kyrie Irving and what he wanted. He had to do what he had to do what was best for him because that's the approach that Kyrie Irving took, right, the last few years. Kyrie Irving was doing what was best for him. And in th- in those regards, when it came to the vaccination and a lot of other things, so Kevin Durant is probably looking in the mirror saying, you know what, I need to do what's best for Kevin Durant in this situation. And that's what we have right now t- uh, today.
1: Well, and all of this speaks to the lack of overall planning because I'll still go back to in my mind, if the Nets had any idea what they were really doing – They probably do this in a more organized way. Instead, they go out there and like, hey, we're going to ship off Kyrie, and then we're just going to hope. And and like, what? We live in some world where you don't know. Okay, I know what we'll get in return for Kyrie. Now I'm going to call before we press go on the trade. I'm going to call some other teams. I'm going to figure out what I can get around KD. Like, there were ways to patiently execute this. The Nets just didn't do that.
2: Let let me say this though too, because remember. When Kyrie Irving got traded, that's when the Nets and Kevin Durant had their talks, right? Remember? Yep. Um, obviously, those talks didn't go the way it, it had planned because Kevin Durant is now traded. Now, within those talks, what did Sean Marks? What did what did Joe Sai say to Kevin Durant that deterred him away from wanting to be in Brooklyn? So I can't I can't just sit up here and say that. Kevin Durant knew he wanted to get traded he might not have known that until after the talks that he had with the organization
1: yeah but even and I totally agree with that but even you and I a couple of days ago said not like there's something they're going to be able to get like I think most of us from the outside looking in we're looking at this saying like what do you think you're going to accomplish so maybe you're right but it it seems like that would be and, and you know frankly some guys do live sort of in the bubble of just worrying about what they're worrying about in that moment they don't really think about the landscape but we certainly were looking at it I think Rod in Uh, Rod wants to chime in on this. Uh, We asked earlier who takes the blame. Rod in Detroit uh, wants to make his case on this. Rod, thanks for calling the show, man. What you got?
2: Hey, what's going on? Hey, Most
0: definitely takes the blame. Ownership first.
2: Now, if ownership had any real good sense, they would recognize and realize
0: you weren't even relevant. You were not relevant to win a championship. And to who got there? KD and Kyrie. So, realizing that, they should
2: have said, look, we're going to do our best to work with you guys, and guess what? If Kay, if Kyrie wants a, a max contract, I would have been like, okay, we'll get you the max contract, but we're going to wait till one year. We go maybe okay, we'll wait till this one season is over, and then we'll see. Now, if if Kyrie say I'm going to sit on the bench, bro, that's not realistic. Kyrie was not going to sit on the bench. Ownership went too fast. They got they got beside themselves. For some reason ownership thought there was
1: this, there was all of that. You wasn't nothing until they made you relevant, bro. Brooke. I mean, the only thing I'd say to that is you own an NBA team.
2: Like <laughs> he passion- he's passionate too. Like <laughs> you can tell this one really hits him in the heart. He's the, passionate about this. The
1: one. the one thing about that, I mean I mean, if we really want to be real, when you when you own a team, I don't care what the sport is. You don't really have all that many incentives to win realistically. You get the same money out of your profit sharing. It, it, most of your season ticket sales do pretty well for all these teams. They share TV revenue across the board. Like you own a team, whether it's a baseball team, a football team, an NBA team. You don't have to spend at all. In fact, you're gonna make money by not spending. So the owners can feel some kind of way about it because they're they're ultimately running the business. Like they're not I mean, maybe they're fans of the sport, maybe they love what they do, but Like, they do have the power to run their business however they want. Like, I I, I have a hard time faulting them for that.
2: But I do agree with him, like, um, in in some sense, right? The the, the Nets haven't been really relevant since, I would say, what, Jason Kidd was there and they went to the NBA Finals, right? Mm -hmm. Um, As soon as Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, and especially James Harden got there, there was noise and talk about them potentially being able to win an NBA Finals and win an NBA Championship. Now, granted, along the way, Everyone has to be on board for a common goal, and I think that's, that's something that didn't transpire within Brooklyn. Everyone wasn't on the same page, from ownership to Kevin Durant to Kyrie Irving to Steve Nash, so I think everybody plays a part in it. We all know to win a championship – Uh, Some sort of individual, uh, the individual has to be substitute for the team goal. That's not what happened in Brooklyn. And then these guys are going out there not playing any defense and trying to, you know, outscore everyone and got humbled within the first round this year and getting beat and getting swept. The only team that got swept in the NBA playoffs last year, which was a disaster and an embarrassment actually took Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving.
1: I think there's a a moment where when you start talking about they haven't been to the finals for a long time, I I don't disagree with that. I mean, their last finals appearance was, what, 2003, right? So that's a long time. Um, I mean, when was the last finals appearance for... The Hawks. When was the last finals appearance for Charlotte? When was the last finals appearance for the Bulls? When was the last finals appearance? Like, we can go up and down the list. Like, the last finals appearance for the Pistons was 2005. Like, making it – to say that the Nets were irrelevant because they haven't been in the finals, I, I, I don't know. I think all these NBA teams well, at some but, level but you, have but you some
2: – you got to look at it like this. They're in the state of New York, right? When you do have the New York Knicks, who hasn't been relevant, but you still see Madison Square Garden still filled up. So – When you look at it in those regards, them being relevant and and winning in the playoffs would have been better for them, also in the state of New York. So you got to look at it from that sense too.
1: Yeah, but but to your point, the Knicks' last finals appearance was '99, right? Like so, uh, you're you're. I think everybody's right that the Nets certainly, you know, that I think the organization shares some of the blame in the culture created. But I also think that we have to to sort of acknowledge oh, yes. what the what responsibility the players oh, have yes. on it, and, and it raises actually a question. I'm going to take us totally off the rails. But there is a a learning spot here. There is another organization that, frankly, the Nets should just sit down, look at, and copy. Because there's an organization that's handled everything the right way that the Nets just handled the wrong way. We'll tell you who it is next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. The Phoenix Suns are making legit moves to win a title. Making Moves is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Build your winning team today. Go to LinkedIn.com slash sports.
2: Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
0: Kevin Durant is a Phoenix Sun. When you get Kevin Durant playing at the level that he has played with this season. What this
2: shows is that Phoenix is going for it now. Love the competition now that we can be in the same conference, and and I welcome all that. Get to see him a little bit more, probably playing against Phoenix a lot more.
0: For Phoenix, you know, just a, a chance now to really make a run at a title.
1: concept of self-scouting. And sometimes during the season that means looking at your play calling, looking at the way you run your offense or defense, looking at your coaching tendencies. But sometimes, maybe it means as an organization, you need to pull back, self-scout, and figure out how you're doing business. Look around, figure out who's doing better, and learn from it. I think the Nets are in that situation and there's one team they can learn from. Fitz and Harry on ESPN radio, the ESPN app series XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. You can watch us in the ESPN app, by the way. You got uh, you got basketballs there behind you, Harry? Uh anybody sign those basketballs there, buddy? Any any signatures yeah, on this?
2: Yeah, yeah, I have very significant signatures on these basketballs. The commissioner, Adam Silver.
1: Okay. That, that does <laughs> all right. uh your, your brother Tony was on with this yesterday. Uh I, I shilled an openly Asked him for a signed uh, LeBron uh, Lakers jersey. Where, where are we on that one? Feel like that one's coming through? No, I mean,
2: yeah. my brother is still playing in Portugal. Fits. He's right. in Portugal
1: right now. Right, 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 right. But he's got an international texting plan. I text Perk <laughs> yesterday too. I was like, "Hey, Perk, thanks for coming on. You know, I love you, big guy. Uh, just let me know if you need my address for that jersey." Ghosted. Haven't heard back from Perk. Like, I, we're, we're gonna have. You know what? I'm just trying to get a LeBron Lakers jersey for my office. This doesn't seem like that big of an ask. I mean, you man, guys you want, know it. You want me to? You want me to hit up Rich Paul? Uh, uh, yeah. You I mean, me of course Paul? I want you to hit up Rich. Let me look. I got. It. It, I got the number in my phone oh, book now. Man, you want you me just, to hit up Rich Paul? You just, tell Rich I'll put it in the backdrop of my my shot, like, you know, so that when I work from home. Well, you know what? Home. You know,
2: no, I can't bother Rich Paul, man. He's trying to see if his players are gonna be traded. He's focused right now. Come on. Fitz. Okay, wait got till me tomorrow. I'll
1: let you wait till tomorrow after the trade. Deadline, that's fair. Like, got me around here mean, messing
2: with on, these I, I, people.
1: I, 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 I got it. it's fine. All right. So, you know what? I could learn from Harry Douglas how to handle, you know, shilling for things because people just send Harry things. He's cool. I have to openly <laughs> beg for it. I think right now the Nets could learn from somebody, and that somebody, dun dun dun, is the Golden State Warriors. Think about this, HD. Like, the Golden State Warriors have superstar after superstar come through their door, and what do they do? They find a way even when they're punching each other in practice to keep everybody together, right? Like they yep. have found a way. Steve Kerr is a coach and then the organization overall has found a way to balance egos. And I often say that maybe the most impressive thing about Phil Jackson with the Bulls was his ability to make everybody feel wanted and loved throughout the process of having great players. That's got to be part of as much as I put a ton of the failure on the players themselves. Organizationally, they got to look around and be like, "Hey, if we're ever in this situation again, how do we make sure everybody feels Loved and fed, because that obviously didn't happen.
2: I, I will say this: the the Warriors are the perfect example for I think the entire NBA. Um, I think everything starts uh, within a good organization or a great organization. Everything starts from top to bottom. It starts with your owner down to your general manager to your team president to your head coach. And when you look at the Golden State Warriors, they are, I'll say, A-plus in every one of those categories. Now, also, you look at the players that they have on their team. You talk about a Steph Curry, uh, um, a Klay Thompson, um, Andre Iguodala, who's been there for a very, very long time, and a Draymond Green. Four guys, four cornerstone pieces on how this thing started, how this run started within that organization. Guys that are, that, that, that are going to be able to hold one another accountable, and anybody else that comes on within that roster, they're going to hold them accountable as well. That's why it was so easy for Kevin Durant to go from the Oklahoma City Thunder to the Golden State Warriors and be able to have success, because when you have that foundation built, and it's built very, very strong, it's rooted in the ground, like we see a a, a, a oak tree that's probably 400 years old 300 years old, it, great things are going to come out of that. And it's only not only trickled to them winning championships early on, but also you look at last year when they had so many young players on their team. And a lot of people probably thought they were done from the standpoint of winning titles. They go and win a title last year, just very recently. So, I look at the, the the Golden State Warriors and their organization as being a one top notch, and a lot of other teams in the NBA could follow what they've been able to do.
1: I also think, you know, to use the Harry Douglas phrase, uh, we like to boo boo all over super teams, and then like how <laughs> easy it is to win when you're a super team, without acknowledging that one of the difficult things about a super team is balancing the egos in a way that everybody is right, and that's its own skill set. And, look, the the shade is always going to be there from Kyrie. There's no doubt about it. But listen to what he says at the end of his press conference reacting to Kevin Durant being traded.
2: I'm just praying for his happiness and praying for his well-being. Uh, We had a lot of conversations throughout the year of, you know, what our futures were going to look like. There was still a level of uncertainty. uh, But we just cared about seeing each other be places that, Uh, we can thrive and whether that be together or whether that be apart there's never been one moment where I felt like um, he's been angry at me for decisions I've made or I've been angry at him Um, we've just tried to understand each other a lot better and grow as human beings grow as brothers you know his business changes so quickly Um, he's getting a little bit older I'm getting a little bit older I just love the competition now that we can be in the same conference and and I welcome all that get to see him a little bit more probably playing against Phoenix a lot more and that's what I'm looking forward to everything else in in between I, I just am glad that uh he got out of
1: other. I'm just so, glad so he got to, out of uh, there.
2: So much to unpack right there though. Is, is he openly admitting that the two were mad at each other for certain things that went on while they were in Brooklyn
1: as well? I, I mean, it kind of feels like like it feels yeah. like it's a layered complicated relationship from that 43 second answer.
2: But the, but then he finished it off. I'm just glad he can get he, he got out of there. Are these guys having conversations while they're still with the Brooklyn Nets
1: about being other places as well? I mean that wouldn't sup- think about this this is again where I put my real normal person hat on right imagine if you're really unhappy wherever you work and you're sitting there with everybody you work with and you're constantly unhappy we all know that you're sitting around with everybody being like oh well here's our rival they're hiring like I want to go over there they're hiring like there's got to be some of that conversation I can only imagine in locker rooms right like when you know things are dysfunctional it's like I just want out of here dude right like that has to be real doesn't it
2: but he- but here's the thing though it's not like their team was in a bad spot this yeah, season. That's, that's, that's that, like usually things like that transpire when things are in disarray. And, and don't get me wrong because they had some disarray. But this season, everyone has, has been playing well.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. Usually the abandon the ship mentality comes when you're playing on a team like the Raiders. Not a team that's like in the middle, and I throw that shade at myself. Be-go. Not at a team that's in the middle of, of trying to make a, a title run. It wasn't that, well, we could go right now. We thought the Nets were contenders to win it all. Now we see where we are. We will talk to one of the best, brightest, smartest NBA analysts we have next about everything going on in the league on Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio.